Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answerman. I am Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze, and on this episode, I have Jesse from Trash Panda Disc Golf. Now, I've known about Trash Panda Disc Golf for quite a few years, but it wasn't until earlier this year that I actually met Jesse. And we talked a little bit about his mission as far as creating a disc from 100% recyclable plastic. And I thought it would be interesting to have him on the show so we could learn a little bit more about how he got his start and what his mission is all about and what he what he has planned for the future for Trash Panda Disc Golf. So let's take a listen. All right, Jesse, how are you doing today? Can't complain. Uh, woke up. Happy to be here. Yes, yeah. waking up is part of the, sometimes feels like half the battle. I know it, just this morning, I don't know if this happens to you, but a lot of times my alarm will go off and I'll hit snooze a couple of times and I know I need to get to the gym to do something, but I'll grab my phone and I'll watch one TikTok video and then 40 minutes later, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. That, um, that doesn't happen to me because I have a hard rule that says no phone for the first hour and that way I don't do that because otherwise if I didn't have that rule, I would absolutely do that that's a great rule in fact there were times where i would put my phone like in the bathroom i'd plug it into in the bathroom so it would charge there and that way i have to get up you have to to, get up yeah it's the Um, move i need to get back to that uh back to that uh habit for sure so thank you again thank you for being on the show we're going to talk a little bit i wanted to we of course saw each other at the disc golf pro tour industry conference which i think was a yes, great sir. conference and i'm glad they finally Fantastic. finally started it and they're going to keep doing it and we talked a little bit about you had talked to the people at class and they were interested in what you do and then i thought you know what this would be great to have you on the podcast because i love learning about people and their businesses and what they're doing in disc golf so i really appreciate Thanks, you taking the time to get on the show so just so in case i'm sure i'm sure most of if not all my audience knows who you are but kind of Give us a real quick elevator pitch of who Jesse is in Trash Panda Disc Golf. Yeah, Trash Panda is a disc golf manufacturer. We make uh, d- we make disc golf products that are good for your game and great for the planet. So our whole mission is to grow the sport of disc golf sustainably. I started as a one-man operation in my garage and made YouTube videos, and I still make YouTube videos, but we also are much more than a one-man operation now. So... Um, we're, we're scaling and we're moving and uh, we have a disc. We have one disc out on the market at, at the time of this recording. It's called the inner core. It's uh, I'm biased, but it's one of the straightest <laughs> flying putters I've ever thrown. And uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a great disc and I'm stoked to be making discs out of sustainable materials. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I have talked to a few people that have thrown it and I've seen, of course, seen videos and stuff like that. And people are really loving the, the flight path and the plastic. So I think that's awesome. That's kudos to people you for that been, accomplishment. I'm sure it was a long journey. So let's talk about that. You have on your website, I noticed kind of like a chronological timeline of major milestones in your company. And I noticed the very first one is actually you a video of you talking talking about you learning how to weld because you knew you needed an injection mm-hmm. injection machine. And then you mentioned you learned how to weld through YouTube. And then you were kind of teaching us what you learned kind of how long did it take to find the videos? And what was that process of you finding videos of how to learn how to weld an injection machine? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. It's so finding videos, not too difficult because YouTube is great at just pushing the right stuff to the top, right? So if you, uh, you know, YouTube being the second largest search engine in the world to Google, just search how to weld and you kind of get some stuff. Search specifically how to flux core MIG weld and that's what I was using so I can find some more stuff. Um, 
it wasn't it wasn't too bad of a process, but the reason I did that video and I've I've said this before is just I wanted people to know that I didn't have all the tools to do it. Um, a lot of times I look at people and I'm like, man, if only I had known this or had, or could do this, then I could do that. And I wanted to just say straight up to people like, I'm not an engineer. I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to go somewhere and we're going to try together. And I just invited the people to come along for the process. And now I can, I can weld and I know some electronics and I have learned about injection molding. And all I know now is how much I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> so did you know anything about injection molding? Like, how did you even know what to search for? Yeah. So the honest answer to that is no. I wish <laughs> I could say like, I even, I, I played for 10 years without even identifying what that little nub on the bottom of a disc was like genuinely, <laughs> genuinely nothing. Um, I, I think I had like a few videos randomly cause I am definitely a content consumer. I love mm. YouTube. And so I think some random videos came across about recycling and I started to learn there maybe. And that mm. was before even starting trash Panda. So I, I, I maybe just had enough basic knowledge to know, okay, there's such a thing as an injection machine. And then I can look up how to make a disc. And guess what? There's no videos about how to make a disc. <laughs> and luckily now that's not the case, but there was, there was nothing at the time. I mean, there was one video from Vibram taken on probably a razor flip phone that you couldn't see anything. <laughs> so, um, you know, great, great on them for doing that. But now there's, there's a little more information out there and that's one of my goals with trash Panda is just to kind of pull back the curtain for people. If people are interested in making discs, even like, here's what it's like. Here's at least what I can share about my experience. So, yeah, I like that whole pull back the curtain uh, approach to it. I noticed that that, you I mean, if you go to your YouTube channel, you can see that, that you were sharing just about every part of your journey, it seems like. So mm -hmm. was that always your intention at first where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is my end goal. So I'm going to share it on YouTube or what made you decide to do that? Yeah, that's, again, great question. I am, like I said, a content consumer. So I, at that point, so we're talking early 2020, right around when the pandemic's hitting. And I just kind of sat back and realized I had been consuming certain content creators, like in the making and woodworking space, like I'll shout it out for the random individual who might know, but like modern builds, homemade modern, four eyes furniture, certain makers like that. I'd been consuming them for years and like never once had commented on a video, never once had even thumbs up a video, but like I genuinely wanted them to win in life. Like I wanted them to be successful and I was such a fan of them. So when it came to like finally starting my own thing, which is something I'd been interested in doing for quite a while, I was like, YouTube's the perfect place because I can just invite people to come along for the journey and be a part of it with me. Um, None of us want to do something alone. So I just didn't want to do it alone. I wanted to do it with everyone else. I so. love that. I love that. That was kind of like, that was kind of the, my thinking too. When I, back when I would do like my weight loss journey videos, it was like, yeah. part of, part of it was I wanted to share what I was learning because I was learning it and I thought somebody else might benefit. Part of it also was I wanted, it felt good to have people celebrate with me. And so when I had yeah. the wins, I could celebrate on a video and I would have people, you know, cheer me on and that was motivating. So I think it was And fantastic. when you have the, when you have the losses, they, they're there with you too, yeah. picking you back up, helping you see through and also knowing that that person they respect is human. I mean, what we're talking about is no, 
like no surprise to the people who listen to your show because they're a fan of you and they want to see you win and they've been listening for years. So that's, yeah, same thing. Yeah. So how do you come up with the, or what is the process like? Um, I've had videos where I've planned it all out and then I've had videos where like, you know what, I'm just going to talk about this and it kind of plans itself as it goes. Like what is your process for planning a video? Yeah, my process now is completely different than it was at the beginning. Um, at the beginning, it was, I have, no, I have no idea what I'm doing, so I'm just going to do it. And luckily, I've never suffered from a lack of confidence. So just having no idea, I was okay being a noob, knowing uh-huh. that, you know, I made a video in high school Spanish, so at least I can make a video here. Um <laughs> And if you look at some of those early videos, you would probably think that my only experience was high school Spanish. So (laughs) it's okay. That's how it is. Um, So yeah, I just kind of dove in before I was ready. Um, I am a, I'm a high level thinker and a low level thinker at the same time. So I'm looking at the, like I'm, I'm looking years ahead while also thinking about the minute details today. So early on, like I actually planned the first it was around 50 videos that I was going to make Oh wow! and almost to the T I ended up making those 50 videos. Wow. And when I was going out to film the very first one, I looked at my wife and said, what do you think of this shirt? And she was like, how are you thinking about your 50th video while also thinking about what shirt you're going to wear? And I, I don't know. That's just how my mind works. And so early on, it was just a little bit of planning while also leaving room for, the mistakes, the failures, the mm. things that were inevitably going to come up. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it was kind of like, here is all of the things I need to learn to be able to do what I want to do to get to the goal. And so those are going to be identified as certain videos, like how to design a disc or building an injection machine, um, certain things like that. And then from there, skipping forward to now, it's probably... It's probably in many ways the same of what do I need to learn still or what am I just excited about in disc golf and making videos around that kind of content, whether it's innovations in the sport, whether it's quirky and funky discs that people have never heard of um, or whether it's, hey, we like here's a recent mistake I made and that's just a reality that we have to live with or here's growing the team and here's the the business that we have now. So yeah, probably still just, I'm a learner and bringing people along to learn with me. I think you mentioned, uh, some of your failures. Um, I, I have one of the questions I want to ask is, is about your first viral video. So, but before that, um, yeah. talk us through some of the failures, like some of the, the videos that didn't quite do well, or maybe some of the, 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 uh, the goal of the video didn't quite hit the mark. Talk about some of those. Well, for the videos that didn't do well, that's just the reality of being a YouTuber and starting at zero. All the early videos didn't do well. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, in terms of, you know, and I was learning, I was new to that, whatever. In terms of those early failures though, like my very first disc, if fans of the channel will know, we refer to it as a fruity pebble rice cake. It, uh, it doesn't look like a disc at all. Uh-huh. It's barely larger than a mini. The mold was completely improperly made. That was something that was completely my fault. And so I remember having six friends in the garage with me for the first moment we were going to make a disc and it was not a disc. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you just keep going. And I think, I think that's, uh, 
that's just the naivete of like, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so, you know, if, if I was an expert and I also failed, then it would, I think it would hit a little harder because I'd be like, ah, I should have known, but I had no idea. So yeah, I mean, I built an injection machine in my garage and it was too small. And then I made the mold wrong. And then I built a, I built a bigger machine and it broke. And we had four versions of that mold till we got our first disc that by the way, feels like garbage. The first disc I ever made in the garage is not what came to market. The first disc feels horrible. Um, it's, it's, uh, think of the worst disc you've ever felt. And then, you know, multiply it by a hundred. It is truly, truly horrible. It feels like trash. So, um, yeah, I, the failures early on are relatively innumerable. Yeah. Hey, so what putter do you use and what plastic? So the other night I went to a league night at the Davilio Park here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I went ahead and grabbed a couple of my softy butter putters. Now, I've had these for a while, but never really got out to test them out. And I decided, you know what? The ultimate test would be these are the putters I'm using. So I did that and I really liked them. I like the straight flight of the butter. But what I really like is that softy plastic. I've never been much of a soft plastic putter, but I really like the way they did the softy plastic. Uh, I like the tack, t- tacky feeling of the of the plastic. And I, it was really a comfortable disc for me to putt with. So if you're looking for a new putter to try or just trying to switch things up, check out softy butter putters from class disc and if you want to get a great deal on some misprints head over to classdiscfactory.com i've got a whole slew i don't have the spice yet but i have a whole lot of their molds and misprints so you can get a great deal on some more uh, class disc that you want to put in your bag so let's jump to the viral video you actually put that as a milestone as that uh and i think it was at C. Can't remember what what year it was, but you said you had your first. It's twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. How to make a December twenty twenty. Yep. Did you think that that video would go viral? I that was the video I wanted to make from day one. Uh. How to make a disc because it was the video I didn't have. Um, ironically, like two weeks before I posted that video, Jonathan over at Latitude posted their how to make a disc video. Mm-hmm. And I still give him a hard time for doing that before me because I've been <laughs> wanting to do it that whole time. Um, but actually, ours both grew together, so it worked really nicely. Um, I expected people to be interested in that video, but if you asked me what the most viewed video on our channel would be, I would never, I would never have guessed that it would be that video. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I I only knew so much. I I didn't even I was between thumbnails on that video. I was like, this thumbnail looks pretty good. This thumbnail looks pretty good. And someone was like, you should do this one. And I was like, okay, well, we'll do that one and we'll see. And then it just, it had a life of its own. It popped up to, I want to say like 60,000 views. And I had like uh, one, uh, 1,500 subscribers at the time. Oh, wow. So it went up to like 60,000 views, hung out for a few months, popped up again, hung out for like a year, popped up a little more again. So it just keeps having like, a second life, a third life, a fourth <laughs> life. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have guessed that one, but I do think we talked about pulling back the curtain. I just think, I think the community's interested and there's been a lot of, um, in disc golf, there's been a lot of unknowns about how it's made mm-hmm. or what's happening behind the scenes. And all we get is just what the manufacturer says and what right. they tell us. 
And I think that's kind of shifting in the last few years. And now we're getting a little more insight from people of like, here's exactly what is happening on the back end. So people are excited about that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that behind the scenes stuff. It's a lot of stuff I tried to accomplish with uh, after hours at the warehouse type videos that I would do at yeah. Dynamic Disc. So, I, yes, I love that transparency totally. uh, approach to things. And so it, seem, uh, it might seem weird to maybe the listeners that why are we talking about a bunch of videos and YouTube channels when we've got a guy who's making 100% recycled plastic. But I really feel like that component added to your success. And would you agree to that? Oh, a million times over. Yeah. The, the reality of why content is so big for Trash Panda and our mission is because the first facet of our mission is to inspire people. Mm. Um, so we can only do so much. Um, yeah, we're, we've, we've made a handful of discs and we'll continue to, and eventually it'll be hundreds of thousands of discs and hopefully, you know, hundreds, thousands, and even hundreds of thousands of tons of plastic recycled. But the reality is that if I inspire people and if we inspire people to act sustainably, then we can have a much greater impact than we could alone. So YouTube was, and content is specifically a, a way to achieve that goal of inspiring people rather than just doing it ourselves. Um, at Trash Panda, we say we don't believe in someone doing everything. We believe in everyone doing something. Oh, wow. And I that's that. the, yeah, that's the goal there. So nice. So let's, let, let I want to learn more about the actual process of the disc. So I, I read on your website uh, the inspiration of why you, you decided to do the, the recycled plastic for discs. But how, like, it, it seemed like it was on your mind for quite some time that this needed to happen. And so what, how did it go from, man, we really need this to, okay, I'm going to be one of the people that does this. Yeah, that was, I mean, 12 years is the, is the exact amount of time that that was the case. Cause I started playing in 2008 and I was like, this should happen. Um, we're outdoor. This depends on plastic production. Why not more recycled? And I, I didn't know anything. And some would argue I still don't, but, uh, I, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And I just thought people should use more recycled plastic. Like Innova had their echo star at the time and certain companies were coming out with their recycled lines or reprocessed lines. And I was just like, why not more? Why? Like this echo star feels like star. Why not more of that? And so that was kind of, kind of the initial inception of the idea. And then I did nothing for a decade. And just was like, someone else will do it. Mm. And I think it was Gandhi who said, be the change you want to see. Mm. So after 12 years, I was like, guess it's going to be me. Um, and the hope for us is that it's not just us. Yeah, um, yeah we were the ones to, to do it and to, to start the ball rolling there. But like, I hope that every manufacturer is doing recycled plastic. And I tell my team all the time that we'll our true our true north measure of success is when we have worked ourselves out of business and out of a value proposition because everyone's using recycled plastic so wow. so i'm, I'm a okay. disc golfer then i just get to play disc golf so that's okay i'm, yeah. I'm good working myself out of business there because that's <laughs> that it's better for everyone so once you made that that choice that decision what were kind of the next action steps you needed to take uh it was basically a combination of just start 
while also learning as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So I started devouring both content and books, um, on how to build a business and stuff like that. Um, I'm like a little bit of a nerd. So I made, I made my own like MBA syllabus for myself (laughs) and took myself through that. Um, and it was just learn. It was just keep going, keep pushing forward. Um, try, fail, keep going, get back up, keep, keep pushing forward. So I, I wish it was more intentional or more, you know, there was more design behind it, but it really was just like, keep going forward. Now, did you have an already have an idea when you said, okay, this is it. I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to whatever succeed, fail. I'm going to try. How, how did you come about with the idea of what you're going to, how you're going to source the plastic to make your disc? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. To speaking of things I didn't know, you know, I just, I thought plastic is plastic yeah. and there's a ton of plastic out there. So this literally, I thought this, this detergent bottle, this tide detergent bottle feels like it would make a decent disc. So let's make a disc out of this. Yeah. Oh, it's HDPE. All right. We'll make a disc out of HDPE. That disc I mentioned, that was our first disc that felt like absolute garbage was HDPE. <laughs> and that was just literally learning and going for a year and a half after that to figure out different plastics and start sourcing stuff. The information wasn't super out there of yeah. like what discs are made out of. So finding out what a premium plastic actually is, it's not just plastic. Uh, you can't just take a water bottle and make a disc out of it because they're completely different plastics. Um, finding that out learning is, is kind of how I went about it, but I knew that the recycling markets were there. I knew that companies were, building out, you know, there's, there's companies designed simply to take a product, clean it, grind it up, shred it into a new material that you can use to make into a new product. So, um, I I knew it was probably out there. A tide container. That's pretty, that's, I mean, yes. As soon as you said, I was like, yeah, that, that's plastic. It feels like flexible. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's a, it's got some flex to it. It's got some give, it it has some tack to it. it. It doesn't feel bad. But uh, it does as a disc. It what, feels what, very bad. What are some other uh, uh, everyday items that you tried that, that didn't work? Yeah, we actually did a little series, five discs in five days, where I tried a bunch in a row. I tried plastic water bottles, which is PET, number mm. one, as far as resident identification numbers go. I tried LDPE, which is like, you'll find plastic bags out of that and some other products. Um, polypropylene was another one. That's number five. Uh that's like takeout containers and pill bottles, which are everywhere. Mm. Speaking of COVID, p- takeout containers oh. were everywhere. Oh, I would imagine. And so that. we actually still make our minis out of polypropylene because there's so much of it out there that, you know, minis don't need to necessarily be super flexible. They don't need to perform. So we use that. Um, tried PVC, which is incredibly toxic. Tried polystyrene, which is incredibly toxic and was not something I wanted to try, but we tried. Um, and then random things all over the place. Once we got through the first, like main six types of plastic, I started going everywhere. EVAs, TPUs, TPEs, like everything I could get my hands on that I thought might work. I tried, um, all, all on that machine that operates on my body weight. So that was fun. Yeah. I watched the video and I was like, you like literally had to like 
you were up in the air, your feet <laughs> off the ground, having pushing that thing through. I thought that was crazy. That was pretty cool. I looked a little better in those days because I was working out <laughs> basically all day, every day. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, so speaking of minis, you said, also mentioned on April 2021 where you had your first, you went public with your first mini, and it was quite... Uh, a surprise to the disc golf world and a good reception because it sounded like or it looked like you had to kind of like take a step back and go whoa look at look at all these orders i'm sure it was like this is awesome but whoa we got to get to work it was that to the nth degree it was um we I, i posted that video and didn't tell anyone it was coming and said hey minis are here pre pre order um, thinking I'll, I'll do made to order. I'll just do a made to order model. Cause yeah. I've actually still never bought a mini before. And I was like, no one really buys minis. So we'll just do a presale model. And within the first three hours we sold a thousand. That's amazing. And they were pre they were made to order. So I had to spend the, like I closed orders after three hours, spent the next month and a half making a thousand minis and then just did limited drops for the whole year. Cause we couldn't keep demand going. So it was, it was wild, but we all have our version of the story of how the disc golf community is insane and yeah. amazingly supportive. And that's, that's very much center of my story. Now, as far as the mini, is it basically the same process? It just, the output is just a smaller disc or is there something different? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Technically, technically we can get in the weeds and say there's minor differences, Uh but for, for simplicity and reality, ultimately, yes, it's just, it's just a, a scaled down version of the same process. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Okay. So, okay. So back to, cause I got a more, so you're going through the different plastics. You're trying this plastic. It didn't work. It didn't work. You finally come upon a plastic that works. Is that something that you found that was in abundance? In other words, oh gosh, we have all kinds of plastic. Or was this hard to kind of get to source this? Yeah, the the, the very first one that felt like a disc that I was like, oh, I could I could sell this. Because remember, I've been a disc golfer for 12 years at this point. Yeah. So I'm not going to put out a product that I wouldn't play with myself. And so the first one we made was a very niche plastic that was not really in abundance. But it gave me hope for we're on the right track. We, we can find something here. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it took a few months, but we ended up finding then TPU. And that is a plastic that is heavily used in medical, automotive, sporting goods industries. Mm. So it is, it is out there for sure. Um, even agriculture TPU is, is, um, it's all over the place. I mean, even depending on what you have, like the floor mats in your car might be TPU. Oh, wow. Um, and come to find out, oh, Hey, it's also what most premium plastic discs are made out of. Hmm. And it was like, good to know. Could have saved me two years of my life there. <laughs> um, not really two, I guess a year of my life, but, uh, that was, that was cool. So, um, then we found TPU and that's when I found that that's when I put, I hit go on the, on the scaled version of our mold. So we've been talking about an injection machine that's in our garage, um, or in my garage. We then scaled to a true industrial size injection machine and got the big, big boy mold, if you will, Mm -hmm. which is like a jump from 
$500 to $50,000, which is not no small jump. So, but I, at that point, I mean, I don't know. I just never, I never stopped long enough to go, should I keep going or what? I just was like committed going. We had a video go viral. We continued to have videos perform well. People continued to rally and support every com- every comment except for like one out of a hundred was positive and encouraging us to keep going. So like, I just didn't really think about stopping. So in that moment, it was like, yeah, I no brainer by the mold because then we can have the, you know, we can have the, we can actually make discs because yeah. I knew at that point too, we couldn't keep inventory with minis. There was no way we were going to keep inventory with discs. And I couldn't make all of them one by one in the garage. Oh my gosh, so, I can't imagine. No way. I can't either. Wow. So okay. So uh, so you get the the fifty thousand dollar injection machine. Things are going good. Um, but then I don't know. So when you got the final prototype, though, and I know you that was another milestone you posted on there. Yeah. What was? Talk to me a little bit about what was going through your mind. What was going through your head? When you're like, when you held that first one that was like, this is it. This is, this is what I've been working on for the last year or so. How, how, talk me through that feeling. Yeah. So that was, that was right on the two year mark when we got that. And I, like I just kind of said, I mean, this is a, this is a great question by the way, cause it's making me go back and I really yeah. haven't, haven't tried to, um, I just was moving so quickly. I don't even know if I processed it. It was yeah. like, great. Great. We can make it. Let's go. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I even remember like two years ago thinking how cool would it be to make discs? And then all of a sudden I don't have to buy any more discs. And now I'm at this place where like, I don't have to buy any more discs and I haven't even really thought about that. So it's a weird, it, it, I just have been moving probably too quickly to slow down and smell the roses, if you will. So I don't know what it felt like at that time. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. I mean, I guess when I read that, I was like, man, that was like the culmination, even though it wasn't the, obviously it wasn't the stopping point. It wasn't the, it was to me, it was was a major milestone. So I just wonder how you, how you felt about that. Okay. So we're moving on. We got the prototype. We're ready to go. We're in go mode. What was your plan to now get these in people's hands for them to feel it and, and fall in love with it? Yeah, it was, we need to make, we projected we needed to make 10,000 of them to wow. meet the demand that we would have if we dropped these. So it was source the material to be the cleanest recycled material we could get, which is basically an oxymoron, clean, recycled. Yeah, what, is that? Yeah, what does that mean, clean, um, the cleanest recycled? What does that mean? It just means that the person who's grinding it up and who's recycling it is doing the best that they can. Um, because if they're not, it's, it's your, your end product is full of contamination and, and it creates problems. Mm. So, um, sourcing material, having that mold and then starting to actually make them and figure that out. And that ensued what ended up being one of the harder two month periods of my life. But, um, yeah, but it was somewhat self-inflicted cause I really wanted to get these out to the public yeah. and we set a date and I said, 
come hell or high water, we're, we're getting that date. We're going to do that date. Um, and actually before we announced that date, we ended up moving that date back three weeks and still to get there in time. It was just basically when it comes to making discs and when it comes to injection molding, the primary thing you're looking for is consistency. Mm, You need to dial, you need to dial all of the variables so that if something's going wrong, you just change one variable here or one variable here, and then you figure out a way to get it to be perfected. And the way you do that, the best way to do that is to have extreme consistency in the material that you're using. And when you're using 100% recycled plastic, you just throw that right out the window. (laughs) So, um, it just was, it literally was like we had a a literal 11,000 pounds of this blue TPU that ended up being our first run of the inner core. And as we were using it, it was dial it up. Okay. This mold is running perfectly. Discs are looking perfect. Oh, something changed. Got to change this little thing. Got to change. We were changing temperatures by a literal like 0.2 degrees was changing how the, how the mold was reacting. So it was just, I mean, we've talked about it this whole time and I wish I had a more, more intentional story than I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so we just had to learn on the fly and it's the epitome of building the plane in the air. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, I know, yes, you say you didn't know what you didn't know, but I think sometimes it takes people to admit that to be able to even move forward or to even to get out of the, maybe Mm -hmm. the, what some people call the analysis paralysis where they're trying to, it's like they want to, they, yes, it's great that we have YouTube, it's Google, but it's almost, and I find myself doing doing this as well, where I'll research something so much that it's Mm -hmm. time to just go, you know what? I don't. I can't know every single thing. I've got to learn this on my own, and I've got to just do it. So I think it's great that you, you know, I know you've had. You said you had those hurdles and those struggles for the two months, but I think it's great. At one point, you just said, you know what, we just got to test it, see what happens, test it, see what happens, test it, see what happens, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think I think the reason that a hundred percent recycled disc was not a thing before we did it was because there just wasn't a guy or a gal stupid enough until <laughs> I came along. So here we are, and I'm, I'm glad it happened. But yeah, I, I'm, I, I agree. I think we see it in, in different facets of the sport now, which is really cool. That's awesome. So, okay, so you found the plastic. You made the inner core. Things are going great. What are some, now that things are going great though, are there hurdles now that you're working on to overcome now that you've seen that in a sense, this is a proven product? Yeah, it's well, so yep. Yes. There are always hurdles. And when you're running a business and you think you crossed that last hurdle, don't look up because it's not going to be a good site. Um, it's, uh, absolutely there is, uh, there are more hurdles, but it's now just scale. I mean, it's okay. We made, we made, you know, a handful of discs. What, what can we, how can we scale this to actually grow and have an impact? And, you know, the, the first disc for us was the beginning and that beginning took us two and a half years, 
But just because it took two and a half years doesn't mean it wasn't still the beginning. So now it's, okay, let's scale this thing. Let's build out our team. Let's build out more disks. Let's build out our feedstock so that we can be diverting plastics from landfills and diverting plastics from X, Y, and Z categories and making sure that, you know, this sport that we love is still here in 100 or 200 years when all of these disks that we have will still be here, even though we won't be. So, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, you said one out of 100 comments or, or the, the majority of the comments are positive. Are you getting any pushback as far as, I mean, I can't imagine, but I can't think of any, but I'm sure someone has thought of a pushback reason, but are you getting any yeah. kind of pushback? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I mean, so YouTube, you and I can both say oh, yeah. negative comments are happening there, period. Yeah. But in terms of pulling back from just YouTube negative comments of, trolls being trolls which i don't take as any you know whatever um outside of that uh i have heard you know from different people here and there someone saying and a 100 recycled disc will never happen or mm. get your politics out of our sport or something oh, like wow. that yeah and yeah that was a that was a literal message we received I and thought about that even, yeah. yeah, even other, other messages like that. Some, sometimes our, our email is not the happiest place because people are reaching out with, with hateful things to say. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't get why that person's doing that, but mm. I, I don't need to get it. I'm just like, <sighs> there's the comment that the customer is always right. And that's fundamentally incorrect and some people just don't get it and that's okay um at the end of the day we're still going to keep pushing because i believe in this and it's i don't have a political agenda uh i'm just yes everything in our world is political nowadays but at the end of the day it's like i just i love being outside and playing disc golf and i want to make sure that future generations can be outside and playing disc golf so if people have a problem with that, they can whatever. <laughs> they can what? We'll leave it there. They can whatever. Yeah, this is <laughs> you a, fill this in is the a blank. family friendly yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, you fill in the blank. Okay, so what? Talking about the future, uh, what are some future plans? Are you finding out new, even more or better sources for plastic? Are you finding different yeah, plastics might be better? Absolutely. I mean, what, do you, what, what are in the plans? Yeah, I always like to when I'm on someone's podcast, try to give one like thing that I have not said anywhere else or something. So I've got two for you because nice. you're Bobby Brown. So um, I've got on one hand and a video will come out about this in two weeks time. Nice. But um, we had a disc PDGA approved uh, like a month ago. It's called the Dune. Nice. It is our mid range. And that has been in the works for about a year and a half. Um, so we were kind of working on that simultaneously with everything else. And that is super exciting. Um, the goal is to release that this summer. That's so it's awesome. going to be a minute still. We have, we have things to figure out. We have lessons to be learned on that one too. And just cause we can make a putter doesn't mean we can make a mid range. It is a completely different thing. And then fairways and then drivers, they're all different. So now is that something, got, is that, I don't mean to, to interrupt you, but is that cause it sparked the question. Is that something you automatically knew you learned that you just because you made a putter that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I can make every disc out there now. 
That's how did you come to that conclusion? Did you have to learn that through uh, trial and error? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of insider knowledge in disc golf. So mm-hmm. kind of as you just build relationships, start talking to other people and other manufacturers, even knowing what they've been through, I can, I can learn some of the hard lessons they learned over yeah. time too. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one that I learned. So the mid range is the ex- exciting, um, that's an exciting thing coming up and nice. hopefully, you know, the plan is to have a full line of discs eventually. So that's definitely something we're doing and we're in the works of. Um, so more discs is definitely the future. And then additionally, I think the, the other exciting one that I, I can't really, uh, talk about details cause nothing's really come, come through fruition quite yet on it. But one of the goals in coming days is to, or coming years, I guess, is to help manufacturers recycle their plastic too. Oh. So other disc golf manufacturers. So in, in a ideal world, you'll see some of that as well. So there's awesome. my two little sneak peeks. Nice. I love you it. might Thank get you. more out of me. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> That's awesome. So looking at everything as a whole <clears throat> from where you started to where you're at now, what would you, what were some of the lessons you learned along the way that actually affected the trajectory of trash Panda? I mentioned that the, those two months last year, September and October, specifically October were really tough. Um, I was not eating well. I was not sleeping well. My weight was up. I, I was in a, very stressed out place um and doing everything i could to get these discs out to the world and um i mentioned i kind of offhandedly said there it was kind of self-inflicted and i think that's still true um we operate at the pace as the founder and now for lack of a better term the ceo of this company we we operate at the pace that i determine and so Mm. I now, you know, October was tough last year, but like now if I make that decision, that's not just my health, Mm -hmm. that's my team's health. And that is, it goes beyond just me. Um, and I, I love what I get to do. I do not need to kill myself in the process (laughs) trying to get a disc out, out to the world. So I think probably if I was to boil it down to one of the biggest lessons, it's just that, you know operate at our pace and and we're we're playing the long game here of you know we we want to be in disc golf in 10 years because i was in disc golf 10 years ago and i can't wait to see it in 10 more years yeah and so i i still want to be here and our impact is is moot if i if i burn myself and my team out yeah so was it was it that you were just so uh, ate up by getting the disc out that you like ne- neglected eating, neglected rest or, you know, what was going on there? Oh, the, the, the stress was the, the thing that was going on there. Yeah. So it wasn't neglecting to eat. It was just kind of comfort eating. And it was ah. also, it was also sleep was affected by stress and just not being able to sleep. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the, the, like, Oh, I have to get this disc out, but it was just like, it was kind of like a false summit when you're like, we're right there. One mm-hmm. more thing. Mm-hmm. And then you do that one more thing. And then it's like, Oh wait, one more thing. And I, I just, it was so close. I could taste it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being right to some extent. Cause we did get the disc out and we delivered on over 10,000 that sold in that first run. Yeah. So it, we were able to make it happen and we were close, but it was just like a little, uh, I don't know. 
we're still in that category of, I don't know what I don't know. So it was just a, I made a decision based on the information I had available to me. And now I would make a different decision probably. I like what you said, false summit. That just seems like it can happen in in just every facet of life where you're, um, a lot of times I use a philosophy, uh, this too shall pass. And I use it in a positive and negative way. In other words, if, if the, if things are going terrible, this too shall pass. But also if things are going fantastic, this too shall pass. And so it's almost Mm -hmm. like time. Time is what we need to hold as real precious because, you know, you got to be ready for the good times. You got to be ready for the bad times. And there's uh, a book called the messy middle by a gentleman mm -hmm. named Scott Belsky. Okay. And he says, startups are all about enduring the lows and optimizing the highs. Yeah. But it's just a jagged curve as it slowly goes up. So definitely, I'm definitely learning that this year or based on last year and this year, but last year was my first year of being self-employed, totally Mm -hmm. self-employed. And, um, I just about two weeks ago submitted everything for my taxes. And I would say my stress level is at high because (laughs) it's like, did I put back enough money? I think I did, but did I, am I taking advantage of every tax code? Am I doing this right? And so, yes, it's, I can see that uh, is another episode altogether about (laughs) (laughs) self-employment taxes. You need to make that video so we can all learn from that uh, lesson Uh, as you learn that. So, um, but yeah. Okay. So appreciate you telling us a little bit about the backstory and obviously sharing us sharing some of the challenges because I think it's really valuable for people to to you know they see the successes they go to your website they go to your Instagram and they see all the highs you know they are, oh I guess in your instance you share a lot of your journey so they're also aware of some of your lows but I think it's important for people to see that because I want people such as yourself to succeed in disc golf. Cause I think disc golf as a foundation is wonderful. Yeah. And I love seeing little businesses spring up here and there, uh, creating a sustainability for disc golf. So I think that's awesome. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Thank you. so I always, or at least I try to do when I have a conversation with someone about disc golf business, I have the five questions that I like to ask. And so if you're ready, I'd like to jump right into those. I can't promise I'm ready, but I'm ready to jump in. Okay. So, so the first one it. is, yeah, let's do it. The first one is, what are you learning now? Hmm. Scale, how mm-hmm. to scale it. I'm not just a guy in my garage anymore. My decisions don't just impact me and then my family. It's, it's more people. It's more, my, my mom actually said to me, after we released the first disc, the inner core, she said, well, at least the biggest problem you'll face is behind you. And I was like, man, I wish that was true. (laughs) This is, this will one day be the smallest problem that we face. So, um, yeah, it's learning how to scale and do it well. Like I said, sustainability is a funny word to be focused on as a business because we're trying to grow the sport sustainably, but we also need to take the alternative meaning of sustainability. So there's conservation side of sustainability, Mm. but there's also just the, the lasting side of like, will our business be viable in a year, in two years? Will I still be able to pay my employees paychecks in a year, in five years? And so I think scale is the biggest thing I'm learning right now, how to, how to keep it going. Um, what got you here won't get you there. It's kind of that, that saying that is ringing in my head. 
Yeah. What are two things with scalability that you've learned as you're doing it? Well, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. So that's probably one of the big things. And then, you know, I think the biggest one is learning where my time goes. Mm. So my time doesn't go to some of the things it went to when it was just me. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of those maybe uh, more fun pieces of it. Like I need to, I need to put aside to be able to have one-on-ones and have quarterly reviews and do taxes. Let's just keep talking about taxes. (laughs) It's uh, I think, you know, where my time goes is probably the big, yeah, a big Yeah, one. sounds like you went from just the guy that was pushing on an injection machine to now your HR and accounting and all the yep. all the hats that you have to wear. But uh, I think that's yeah. where people people jump in and they help and they can help help offload that. But then then you've Absolutely. got to be, you know, now you've got people to tend with. You got people to take care of. And I, um, so yeah, that's great. Absolutely. All right. Question two: How has failure shaped your life? I would literally not be who I am today without failure. So, um, trash Panda was a continual making of mistakes and learning as we go. Um, I, I don't, it wasn't like, I can't think of a mantra that my parents used growing up or anything in my household, but I just remember there was just this subtle, like you get back up kind of mentality Mm -hmm. of like it wasn't like a super hard household but it was like get back up like you fall down you get back up and so I think failure is just a continual uh thing is there my life is there a particular failure that you can share with us that at uh was such a low point where you actually were going to had contemplated not moving forward Hmm. And maybe there was never that failure. Maybe it was always go no matter what. There's been a few. I think the one that probably applies most to this situation, you know, there's been some relational ones in my life and Mm -hmm. some, some, um, some ones outside of trash Panda, but more, more applicable to, to what we're talking about here. There was a point we launched our, we launched the inner core on a Monday, the Friday before we had a launch party. And the Wednesday before at 7 a.m., we still hadn't figured out how to consistently make these discs. Oh, wow. And I think I I shared this on YouTube in a video. I think I titled it like I almost quit or something super Mm -hmm. dramatic. Um, But I in a really weird moment, I'm not good at taking pictures. And like when I'm when my wife and I go on vacation, we'll come home and zero pictures. It's like (laughs) the saddest thing. And for some reason. At 8 a.m. that morning, Wednesday before, I pulled my phone out. I took a selfie. And it's like the saddest selfie of my life. Because that was the moment when I thought, like, maybe this just isn't worth it. Wow. Um, maybe we can't do it. So that's that's probably the, the moment. But keep pushing. You get yeah. back up. You keep going. And somehow at, like, 2 p.m. that day, things clicked into gear. And it was still like another six hours, but we ended up making it and yeah. So in that moment that you were thinking, is this worth it? 
was it like a switch that you said, no, it is, I'm doing this. Or was it that the momentum was there where you're just like, I'm just, I'm living off this momentum because I, I, this train's going and I can't stop it. So was it a specific moment where you made the choice or was it like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang on off all I can. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think it was just like, I still have a little bit left. There's yeah. still some reserves in the tank, so let's yeah. keep going. Um, you know, when uh, anyone who's done anything f- hard physically that knows that like, sometimes you're like, that's my last set. Yeah. That's my last mile. Yeah. And somehow you got another mile and somehow you got another set. And I think I, I can't, maybe it was adrenaline. Maybe it was a lack of sleep and, Maybe it was birdie fuel coffee. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but it was something. And I just had, a, I think I just had a little more in the tank. So I just kept going. Gotcha. It, right, honestly, oh, yeah. honestly, actually I have, I have, if I'm, I'm, as I was asking that question or answering that question, I was thinking through it. And I think bottom line, it was the reserves that I had in the tank were the community and the people. Mm. Cause we were just getting constant comments of support and encouragement and wanting to see this in the sport. And I think that, that was, that was it. It was like our core and some of those people who had been around since day one and had seen it. And I think it was, yeah, it was, it was the people holding me up at that point. Cause definitely I was not holding myself up at that point. <laughs> so yeah. And birdie fuel coffee. So yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number three, who do you know whom I should know? Yeah, this one I've I've listened to the show in the past, so I knew this one was coming. And I based on our conversation and the fact that we've been talking about small businesses, um, I think and just business in disc golf in general, there's some people in disc golf who I think are just killing it. Um and one of those I'd say um just people who are killing it is Scott and Amanda Breesey over at flight towel. They're Mm. great people. They've got a great product and they've been around since, um, man, since well before COVID. So they're, they're, uh, they've been in the sport for quite some time and they just saw a, a potential and a product and an innovation in the sport and they brought it to the table. I think it's just, to me, that's such a cool thing, and I love seeing companies doing that. And they are always jam-packed and busy and up to their eyeballs, but they are killing it. And they, on top of all of what I just said, they're great people. They are absolutely just fantastic individuals. Um, so, um, yeah, Scott and Amanda. Awesome. Flight Towel. That's cool. Yeah, I put them down. I might reach out to them and see if they'll be on the podcast. Yep. Uh, number four, what have you read that I should read or even, or if it's maybe a, a, a TV show or a movie and it, and again, it doesn't have to be anything, yeah. you know, motivational. It could be just something that you're like, man, other people should know about. Totally. This. I'm a, I've mentioned I'm a content consumer and I'm a reader. So I read a lot and I only read basically nonfiction business books, which is like to most people so boring. Yeah. And that's what I just consume all day. Um, I don't know why it's just how my brain is wired. I'm also a graphic novel guy. So that's my only 
fiction. Um, but as far as like, I was thinking about this and there's some, there's two recent ones that have stuck out in particular to me. One is a book called build by Tony Fidel. Okay. He w- he was brought on an Apple to build the iPod, took that through like 16 generations and then built the iPhone and then started nest learning thermostats. So he's just kind of been around the block in, high scale products and yeah, it seems he, seems like a pretty successful guy he's had some good, good products he's got a he's got a decent resume <laughs> right right <laughs> and he yeah he the subtitle of the book it's it's build and then it's i think it's a un, or not, unorthodox guide to making things worth making and i just mm-hmm. love the idea of making things worth making so that's yeah. that's a really good one and then another one that recently changed my life is a book based on the conversation we've had. I'm sure this won't come as a surprise, but it's called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. And it's by the founders of Basecamp, um, which is like Slack meets Trello meets Asana or something. But it's awesome. Yeah. I, I've used yeah. the Basecamp too. I like that software. Yeah. Great platform. Yeah. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. I love it. Yeah. And then here, I'll just throw out a, I'll just throw out a TV show because you said it. Yeah. S- Severance. If you haven't seen Severance on ah, Apple TV, yes, I watched a little bit of it. It is uh, a mind-boggling and executed to perfection show. So, nice. There we I'll go. Have to watch more of that. Cool. All right. Question five: What have you done that I should do? Well, I'd say make make my own discs because that's pretty cool. But I'd assume you also have had some experience in that realm of pulling one off a machine. So, um, I would say this is a kind of crazy one and I don't mean it to the T, but in college I rode my bike across the country and I would say something that is physically challenging with a goal in mind that is long and all you do each day is wake up to do that thing is mm-hmm. something like that is, yeah. um, it was, it was the time of my life and, and people constantly told us it was me and a group of friends in college. We rode for charity water to mm-hmm. raise money for water in developing nations. And we, everyone was telling us like, you, you'll never have the time to do something like this again. And like, you'll, you'll never be able to do this again. And I, realize more and more each day how true that was so something just where all you have to do is get outside and keep going i think love it thank you so much well jesse i appreciate you coming on the show taking the time i know you got a busy schedule getting back to i appreciate you bobby thank growing you growing trash panda and doing great things for the sport and i i love it i love learning about more about the person behind the company so i wish you obviously the best of Best of luck in the in the future, and I know our paths will cross again in the disc golf world. So, but again, Absolutely. thanks for being on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It was a great time. Oh, hello. I totally forgot. Where can people find out more about you and your journey? Um, I'd like to say you can Google Trash Panda. Um, if we're on it with our SEO, then you'll find us right away. Uh-huh. But it's either going to be us or the minor league baseball team. I so saw that. If, <laughs> to be fair, wanna, I did. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Then then we're not on it with our SEO. So <laughs> well, we, we need to, to do a little fair, more. To be fair, it was on the side. It was on the oh, side. Oh, got it. it. Got it. Okay. Up, so. okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would say just Google Trash Panda Disc Golf. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. Uh, we've got a website. We're, we're around. So... Yeah. 
or just look in a dumpster and if you see a raccoon you can think of us too so <laughs> that's awesome all right thanks again jesse i appreciate you cheers man